going to be a situation, I may as well just give it my full attention because I might actually learn something, receive something. So if you just have an open heart with me and um, let's believe together that God will speak with us. First of all, let me just introduce myself because I don't want to assume anything. Uh, But my name's Christian Thorpe. I'm one of the pastors here. Those who are part of this church family have already said to me, where's Caroline? Well, Caroline, oh, she's just arrived. It wasn't that she's uh, had any difficulty or anything, but uh, one of my daughters was uh, at an exam this morning. And uh, we have four children. And uh, it's always lots of fun and very noisy in our house. I want to say, although my name's Christian, I wasn't born a Christian. It was just the fact that my mum and dad called me that name. I didn't change my name. That's the other thing that people think, that did I change my name when I became a vicar or a priest or whatever they want to call you? The answer to that is no. They, they, they called me a Christian. If you want to send me a birthday card, 15th of October, 1971, I was born, and it's with a K, and I also like the shaky bits in cards as well, not coins, but notes. Anyway, we best not go there. What is interesting for me is there's lots of different people here this morning. I've already alluded to the fact that some of you have come and you've come as a result of an invitation. And that's great. But what I'm very mindful of is that environments and atmospheres are very real. I I, I was invited a number of years ago into a corporate setting where in the um, city center of Nottingham, in one of the top bars... They put on this big event. There was a lot of chartered surveyors and all kinds of uh, high flyers, bankers, financiers, etc., etc. And I found myself at this meeting. It was the worst hour that I've ever spent in my life. The reason why it was the worst hour, nobody spoke to me. There was hundreds of people in this bar. Not one person. I didn't know anybody in this room. And nobody spoke to me. Everybody knew one another because we were from the different companies, but nobody had the foresight to think this guy stood alone on his tard, Billy No Mates, and nobody said hello to me. It was one of the most difficult environments and atmospheres I have ever been in all my life. That is why in this church I'm passionate about environments and atmospheres. That's why I can be certain you will have had a great welcome this morning. I am certain that somebody would have said hello to you this morning. Because some of you will have come in here and thinking, what have I come to this morning? What is this all about? What's this paddling pool doing here? In fact, I feel like jumping into the paddling pool. I don't know about anybody else because it's so warm in here. This morning, Andy Richardson was gloating one of our elders and saying, I'm going in there and you're not. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you may be asking that question, well, what is this all about? Well, we'll come on to that in a moment, but the environment and atmosphere is so, so important. And I just want to take these few moments to just, in this environment and in this atmosphere, to try and make us all think. So whether we're from a faith background or whether we just, now I can't be doing with God and Jesus. And I respect your opinion. I understand that. Many people who were like that here. Or you're from an absolutely faith background and this is home. I want to speak to every one of us because I want to just take a verse of Scripture, a very simple verse of Scripture that's found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a book that was written by Paul, who was a missionary leader And he was planting pioneering churches. And there was a particular church that he pioneered in a city called Ephesus, hence Ephesians. There were many valuable things that the Bible has to say 
And Ephesians in chapter 2, and in a moment it's going to come on the screen, and verse 13 reads, I wonder if we can get it on the screen, that would be helpful. Here we are. Listen to the language. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You who were once far away now have been brought near through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's about 7 billion people that live on planet Earth. You make up that number. It's reported because, of course, the Christian faith is growing, but there's certainly approaching top-end 800, 900, even to a billion people who are so-called Christians. They have Christian faith, which is wonderful. People say the Christian faith is declining. We're not declining. This church isn't declining, we're growing. Because people are understanding that this faith is real. But my point is this, there's, let's say there's one billion, there's still six billion who are far away. You might be one of them this morning, you may once have known God, run well with God, but now you're in this position where you're far away. Listen church, you might have been coming here week after week, but you're still far away. Or you've never been in faith. And you're far away. You may say that's a bold declaration. Well, that's what the Bible says. We were once far away. Let me go back to the introduction. At the age of 11, 12, I made a commitment to follow Christ. The first years, I was far away. I was far away. And then from that period of teenage years, you know, There was moments when I was far away. Even though I was a believer, I was still, because I was trying to do this, straddle both worlds. Trying to understand what my life consisted of, who I was. But I was far away. This morning, you might feel like that. You're far away. You may say, I don't know quite, I've always felt like that, Christian, but I actually don't know what I've been far away from. I get that. But you know, deep in your heart, you're far away. The Bible says we're far away because something significant has happened. You see, there was a mark. There was, there was a standard. There was something to attain to. But the reality is, none of us have hit the mark. Because the Bible says this, that we've all sinned. I'm sorry it's a very unpopular word. People don't like that word, but I'm just going to say this. We've all sinned. Sin basically means those things that I've done wrong. And it's not just committing murder or committing adultery. I have sinned. You're looking, look at me this morning. I am a sinner. I've told lies. I've cheated. I've bad mouthed. There's been curse words that have come out of my mouth. There's all kinds of things that have happened to me. I didn't. Hit this mark of perfection. And the reality is, we've all sinned. Now, some people here have committed adultery. Some people here have hurt people. Some people here have been in prison. Some people have done some horrible things, and you know that. But then there's the other people who just say, well, actually, I'm a normal Joe. But we've all sinned. You got that? We've all sinned. The Bible actually says, everyone's sinned, and we've fallen short. This fallen short is an artery term because there's a mark 
And I don't know whether anybody played darts. You should have come to our Father's Day service. We had Phil the Power Pie. He were, he's brilliant at darts, is Phil. I'm rubbish at darts. I'm all right at pool, so Sunday nights, get your money out and we'll see how we can hustle some money out of you at Mansfield. I'm joking. I'm not very good at darts. I've had a few t- occasions where I've had to go at archery. I've even done clay pigeon shooting. Anybody put your hand up if you've ever had to go at clay pigeon shooting. My goodness, your shoulder, it just boom, boom, doesn't it? If you've ever done it, boom, it really, you know, pull. I'm everywhere. I remember going shooting with Eric many, many years ago. when I was only 18 when he was in Bournemouth. And he gave me a, ri- a rifle. That was when he was okay to have a rifle shotgun. He said, you go down there and go and see if you can kill some rabbits. That is absolutely true. So I had never held a rifle before, a shotgun. So I'm walking ahead and I thought I'd seen a rabbit. Pointed, shot, and then I realized it wasn't a rabbit, it was a twig just going in the wind. I miss that as well, by the way. Well, my point is, there's a mark, there's a standard that we all attain to, but the reality is, every single one of us, please hear me, every single one of us has missed the mark. I'm not interested in what you've accomplished on the ladder as you've risen the ladder of success. I'm not interested. Um, please don't take that as offensive. I'm not interested. There are many people who talk to me. They're trying. You can try all you want. You can self-improve. You can self-help. I'm not against any of those things because I actually think we should put hard work in and do our best. But if you think that that's going to bring you to what happiness is all about and, and this, you know, just knowing that you're fulfilled, then you're mistaken because the Bible says, We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's best and God's requirements. I don't know whether any of you read the newspaper, but this week Bernie Eccleston, the Formula One boss, this is what he says. Uh, Because he was asking him about the reality that he could end up going in prison. He's got three billion pounds. He's got a growing business. And uh, been married a few times, glamorous ladies, glamorous lifestyle. Uh, But they asked him this question, and Bernie said this week, he didn't know what happiness was. He actually said, what do these feelings mean, happiness? He said in an interview with the Times, I've experienced satisfaction when I've planned something and it's come off, but happiness... I'm not so sure. This is a guy who's got three billion quid. This is a guy who travels the world. This is a guy who's got a lavish lifestyle. This is a guy who started, his father was a fisherman. He's ridden the ladder of success, baby. He knows how to live his life. But he makes this statement. What is it all worth? There's another phrase that I heard about a U.S superstar, sports star, he said this, I've tried just about everything to fill the emptiness. The one thing I haven't tried, I hadn't tried, was giving my life to God. Far away. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away, far away, 
Anybody here feel far away? I felt far away. As a teenager, I felt far away. Far away from God. Far away from his plan for my life. You may say you're a kid Christian. Yeah, you're a kid, but I knew I was far away. You might be 70 to, uh, this morning, but you know you're far away. 50, you know you're far away. You try and dress it up all you want, gloss it up. You can do all you want to make yourself look, but you know deep down you're far away. I'm so glad the verse doesn't say, you who were once far away. But it then goes on to say, but you have been brought near. Everybody say brought near. You see, you were once far away, but now you've been brought near. How have you been brought near? How is it possible to now go from a life where I'm just unhappy and a life where it just seems aimless and I'm just on the treadmill of life to now being brought near, where my life is full of satisfaction, my life is full of fulfillment, my life isn't perfect, I'm not perfect, so look at me again, I'm not perfect, my life isn't perfect, but I know there's a satisfaction in my heart, I know there's a peace in my heart, I just know it, and people can mock me all the want about me being a Christian and being a Christian leader, they can do all that, but they can't take it away from me, what I know, what I know, I know what I know. And I'm not deluded. I'm not an idiot. I'm not a wimp. I'm not somebody who's easily swayed. Far the opposite, actually. I'm a stubborn old mule, actually. So it takes a lot for me to be convinced about anything. So how do I know that I've been brought near? Well, it's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You may have been wondering, what's baptism about? More importantly, what's Easter about? Well, Easter is about Jesus not about bunnies and Easter eggs. Although I do love chocolate. Anybody else love chocolate? I love steak more, actually, and ribs. And Oh, my goodness. Have we got steak and ribs for later? I bet we haven't. Huh. Easter isn't about the bunny. It's great for kids, and we're all for that. But Easter is about Jesus hanging upon a cross, the perfect man sent by God. I know you may say this is fairy, it isn't fairy tale stuff. This is real. History records Jesus was a real man. And, and history records by historical writers that he was just a wonderful man. He did amazing miracles. History records that there was a man by the name of Jesus who hung upon a cross. Historical records, not just the Bible, record that. But it says that Jesus hung for our sin and our shame and our guilt. He hung because we were far away. And it's only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ can we know forgiveness, can we know fulfillment, can we know peace, can we know joy. It's very simple for us to come from the position of far away to be brought near. We just have to receive. The Bible actually says this. This is the point of baptism. Repent. And be baptized. Repent means there's 180 degrees. Anybody like BMXs here? Just very quickly. If you ever had a BMX. And I used to love and used to do bunny hops and 180 degrees. You may say, with your weight? I was thin then. And I used to jump. It was 180 degrees or 360 we used to call them. Repentance is 180 degrees. I was once going this way. I was far away from God. Stuff the world. Stuff the church. Stuff God. I'm doing it my way. Or not stuff. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to keep on that road, that ladder of success and fulfillment. I'm going to try and keep trying. 
But this, where I was far away, the 180 degrees repent means I turn round. Because I've been brought near by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And instead of walking away from God, I'm now walking to God. For me, it happened in a little church in Mansfield where the guy called people to respond to Jesus Christ and give their life to him. And I remember walking to the front of the altar. I'm not going to ask anybody to walk to the front of the altar this morning. But he asked me to walk, and I remember walking knowing that I needed Jesus. I was far away, and I needed a Savior, and his name was Jesus. And I repented of my sin, and I asked Jesus Christ into my life. And I said, Jesus, I want to live for you all the days of my life. I'm now 41. 29 years that I've been following Jesus. I'm certainly not perfect, but I'm in recovery. But I feel peaceful. I feel joyful. I've got a sense of fulfillment and destiny. I know where I'm going. But then the second part to it is repent and be baptized. And what they're doing this morning is an outward confession of an inward decision. I'll say that again. It's an outward confession of an inward decision. Every person that's going to go through these waters has come at some point and said, I need Jesus. My life's a mess. I need Jesus. I was far away, but I've been brought near. So there's something inward that's happened. Now there's an outward confession. And what they're doing is they're telling the world. I wonder if somebody would just open up all these blinds here. Just open up all these blinds here, please. And just open the windows. Because what happened was, all look at me now as they do that. What happened in baptism, it wasn't like we do in a paddling pool in a building. They got in rivers. Wherever there was water, they got. And let me tell you, baptism was really dangerous. People were killed. People are still killed today in the world. In the Middle East, if they're finding baptism, they could be shot. They could be killed, executed, because they're believers. But what people were basically saying is, I'm not bothered. I'm following Jesus. So that's why I always say people who say, oh, it's for weak people. Really? Really? I don't think it is. There's an inward decision that's taken place and an outward confession. Alan, Kath, Jill, I'm not going to call you out yet. Where else are, who else is it? Julie, Joanne, who else? Wayne, there's an inward decision. It might be a little bit like, well, I'm still on a journey, but there's an outward confession and you're going to hear that in a few moments. I hope I've explained baptism They come in this water and they're basically saying, as they go under the water, there's an old life and I'm going to come into a new life in Jesus Christ. Not perfect. Don't think, Kath's husband, you're going to get a perfect wife. You ain't. I'm sorry. You just is not. I don't want to burst. You're just not going to. She looks perfect to me, but she's. It don't work like that. But there's a journey. There's something that happens as we go under the waters and we just wash and there's a new life in Jesus Christ. I wonder if we'd all bow our heads. I want to invite people to respond to that. You might be far away, but you've now been brought near. Far away from God, but now you've been brought near. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, every eye closed and head bowed, please. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand to your feet. Well, I am going to ask you to do one thing. If you're saying this morning, Christian, that's me. Count me in this prayer. I was once far away. I'm still far away, but I want to be brought near. I want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In this environment where every eye is closed, thank you, and and, uh, hearts are open. I wonder if you just 
raise your hand in a moment. I'm going to pray. If you say, Christian, just pray with me this morning. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand quickly where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? 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 You're saying, yes, thank you. Anybody else this morning? Six people. Those who've raised their hands, just lift them up again. Just raise your hand where you are. Thank you. Father, I pray for every one of these precious people. They were once far away, but now they've been brought near. And I just ask, Lord Jesus, that as they just take this moment to just call out to you and ask for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Ask, Lord Jesus, in this moment, something divine, something supernatural will take place, that people would step out of darkness into life. And I pray, Lord, that their lives will never be the same again. Never, ever, ever be the same again. Seal the decision that people are making this morning. Holy Spirit, I invite you now to just do your work in every one of their hearts. People in the church, just keep your eyes closed. You might say, well, Christian, I'm not coming into faith, but I know my life isn't where it needs to be. I'm a little bit adrift. I just want to pray for you. You know who you are. You're not where you need to be. Jesus, I just pray across the congregation. We're not after perfection. But Lord, we do want to do things right by you. And when we get it wrong, we want to be able to stop and say sorry. And for people who are part of this church who feel a little bit off the pace, the fire has has diminished in them. But God, you will do something in their hearts now as they just call out to you. Cleanse them from all their sin and all their unrighteousness. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just look up for a moment.